tune in to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good afternoon, America, Canada, Australia, the Virgin Islands, the Caribbean. What's happening today? Today is September the 10th, 2014. This is one show you do not want to miss. If you are achieving anything in your life right now, and I do mean absolutely anything that is significant or worthwhile, more than likely, at some level, you are feeling some kind of way. Now, here's what I mean by that. Um, I felt earlier in my life that there had to be somebody walking around with a sign or that had put a sign on my back of my shirt saying, problem, hey, fool, find him. Here I am right here. Just come on up to me and interfere with whatever good thing I have going on in my day. Well, I'm sure I'm not alone. Most people have felt something similar to that, if not felt that that exactly. It doesn't have to be that way. The problem is this. Did you realize almost everything that you're doing in your life is a byproduct of two things, and and one of those two things has absolutely nothing at all to do with you? And when I say nothing, I do mean nothing. You did not ask for it. You didn't do anything to earn it. Matter of fact, you were born into it. That's right. It's true. Not only do you inherit certain traits and characteristics and features from your parents, you also inherit their crap. And what I mean by their crap is you inherit their curses. What is a curse? Glad you ask. Most people feel that a curse had something to do with some uh, weird person wearing a pointed hat or throwing things like Eye of Newt into a portion with frog skin or something to make you have a horrible day. Uh, nah, not true. Here's where curses really stem from. And, and I w- I'm going to hit this thing in the head real hard. First, for my religious friends out there, yes, I'm talking to you again. I know, and believe me, I love God. I'm a praying man. I spend more time praying than I do sleeping. But the truth is, lots of the stuff, that we hear the church blame on sin has nothing to do with, uh, let me say this really right. I don't want to screw this up. Iniquity and the crap that people do that we call sin, lying, cheating, stealing, blasphemy, adultery, all this kind of stuff, that stuff is more a lack of human character, and yes, it can be classified as sin, but it's a lack, It's bad choices made by people trying to survive circumstances, doing things that they feel will make the, make the moment feel better, right? Well, but where does this curse thing come in? It's real simple. Some of you, right as I speak, are creating generational curses for your children. Yes, I am talking to you. That is something that we probably do not intend to do. I know doggone well I didn't intend to do it. If you're human, there is something you are passing down right now to your child in behavior by the way that you act. Uh, Even in their absence, you figure, well, I don't do that in front of my kid. Hint, you don't have to be in front of your kid to screw their lives up. In other words, some of the things that you do away from your kids follow your behind right back home. You don't have to be sitting up uh, taking Patron shots and twerking in order to jack your kid up in the head. The people that you associate with, the places you go, the things you do when you get there, how you think, how you feel affects your children much, much, much more than some of the things you do. That's right, the things you 
think and feel have resonating effects that just undermine every good thing your child was sent to this planet to do. Here's the deal. You are somebody's child. So if you're wondering why half of your thought process and your behavior is so jacked up, I just answered it for you. Blame it on, and no, not the alcohol. That could have something to do with it. But look at mom and dad. Now, let's stop. Before we get to uh, playing the psychological model of I didn't get enough hugs growing up, my mama don't love me, that's crap. Let me tell you what's really up. People sometimes don't know better. If you don't know better, how can you do better? My issue and I guess I've got to really be careful because when I start chunking these rocks, I'm definitely living in my own glass house. But um, there are things that we just do out of reaction. We do these things because we're in a state of survival. We don't know where to turn, whom to turn to. The people that we thought would uh, give us some good information, they crazy too making this get really, really bad. As we search life and we search circumstances, attempting to find answers to questions that in many instances we don't even know to ask, we end up screwing up not only our lives but our kids' lives or like where you are right now, half of the crap that's in your life, your parents or the people that uh, attempted to raise you put it there. Now, that's part one. Part two, your own junk. That's right, the way you think, the way you react, the things you do, the things you say, the people you associate with, all of that. When you mix those two things together, you have a hot mess. I mean a hot mess. So today, what we're going to do is do some deconstruction. I'm going to help you to get past dysfunction in your life. There is an exercise that anybody that comes to see me um, and they sign up for, you know, a relationship crisis coaching program or for holistic coaching for themselves or career coaching, they, they come in and, and typically they, the first thing they want, they say is, Doc, I, you know, I did really well in college. Or if, they did, if you didn't go to college, they'll say, I, I got every other area together in my life, but for some reason, man, I just cannot get this part of my life on track. And what do I do? I really don't know what to do. At that point, like any reasonable clinician, I immediately vacate the land of assumptions and start looking for hard core data. I look for facts. I have people take a Myers-Briggs MBTI forum cue just to learn, okay, how am I processing information? How do I think? How do other people perceive the way that I, I process things or I communicate things, right? And then I check to see, okay, what are the views on gender and what are the arguing styles? How much disclosure do they give other people? Uh, are they permeable to listening or do they just wait to talk? I mean, I do all of this stuff, but the biggest thing I do, I developed something that I call a family assessment inventory. Now, why did I do that? The reason I did that is I learned the apple never falls too far from the tree. By that I mean everything and absolutely thing that you do or that I do, we got that mess from somebody. We didn't, you know, when you're born, um, well, some of you were born, hopefully all of you were born, but some, when we're born, we're born with a, like a blank slate. We're innocent. We don't know anything about prejudice and sexism and bigotry and gay straight. None of that is on our radar. All we know is we're here to experience the contrast that we came to this planet to experience, and we're here to love and be loved and engage in life, right? For many of us, that gets derailed even before we're even born. Some of us come into the world challenged with somebody else's junk. I mean, we, we didn't do anything. We're, you know, we're not even out of mommy's womb yet, and there's some crack in the air and 
people are fighting and cursing or there's apathy or there's um, someone just deprecating someone else's self-esteem. I mean, all of this junk is going on before we even come out of our mothers. Then all of a sudden, bam, here we go, down through the birth canal, and voila, here we are, right? We're born, and I don't care how good it looks, we're born into somebody's dysfunction. It's a matter of how severe is that dysfunction. Now, a lot of you, I'm going to say maybe, just maybe, 4%, I would dare to stretch it to 5 or 6% of us were born into a house with sane people. (laughs) I mean, they, and that really determines on what your definition of sane is. You know, some of us, are born into a moonshining family. And saying is, you know, we woke up and actually peed in the toilet and not the sink. I mean, there's a different level of what we declare sanity. For some of us, saying is we have a job. For other people, saying is I took a bath today. I mean, it, it's really weird. But that, what I'm driving at is this. There is no normal. So when I created this assessment inventory, I have people revisit crucial periods in your life, and they're basically four. So go ahead and get your pen and paper out. If you want to take this inventory, you can call my office, uh, call 877-508-2025 and hit the new client extension, and they will. you can leave your information or message and someone will get back with you, and we'll try to uh, have you do these diagnostics because being honest with you, it will probably save your life and get you back on track, and it will sure to hell help you break these generational curses. But moving forward, these four critical points, and there are more than four, but I'm just saying the basic four, okay? Before you were born is one. Now, Doc, how in the heck do I know anything about before I was born? Here's how. Whatever was going on with your dad, before he was ever a dad, when he was still a kid, how he was raised, how his parents got along, all the things that um, happened to him as your father became a young man, and then your mom, same stuff. What kind of household did she grow up in? What happened to her? What was her life like? Where you know where is she in birth order? All of this stuff that starts shaping what you are going to come into because when your parents get together, they merge all of this stuff on both sides. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good, but nonetheless, they merge their junk. And here you go. Your daddy winks at your mama, you know, after um, a couple of dances and that walk home or hanging out in the car while your grandparents were peeping out the window, the next thing you know, here you come. You're birthed into the circumstances that fashioned both of their lives, and then that became a collective set of circumstances that you were birthed into. So that's that's phase one. Phase two, when you were between three and seven years old, that's when a lot of developmental psychologists call it the formal operational stage. What that means is you're going into this season as a child where nothing's mythological anymore. There, You don't believe Barbie can talk and G.I. Joe is a real soldier. You know the difference, and that's probably about the same time you had your first exposure to what does a male and female relationship look like? You know, how do they get along? How does daddy treat mommy? How does mommy treat daddy? Hell, is mother even around or is daddy even around? If they're not around, who is, who's minding the store, meaning you? Who, who's watching you? What are you being exposed to? You know, the other day, I was uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and riding down 
There's this restaurant I love. If you're ever in Atlanta, go to this restaurant called The Beautiful off of Cascade. I mean, it's soul food, really, really cool place. But on the way there, you know, it's in a traditional neighborhood. For those of you that go, what is a traditional neighborhood? That's my way of saying a black neighborhood. So when I go through the neighborhood, I see, uh, you know, I was just enamored by looking around me. And I was looking at places where Martin Luther King probably walked. And I saw all of these historical, beautiful homes. And right in the midst of the beautiful homes and where Martin Luther King used to walk, I see the crackhead out there tweaking, you know. I didn't say twerking, but twerking and tweaking. Isn't that weird? Those two things sound a lot alike. I hope nobody does that at the same time, because if you do, please put that on YouTube. I want to see it. But I'm looking at this neighborhood, and I'm thinking, I saw some children looking at this crackhead, and I'm thinking, what is that doing, and how is that shaping what that kid perceives about not only life, but what is normal. And then the other, the last few weeks, I have a bunch of really cool young men that are my clients. Um, you know, there's, some are ex-pro athletes, some are still pro athletes, some are about to go pro. And, and I'm looking at these guys, and I'm thinking all of them grew up in very different neighborhoods. One grew up in a no-parent home, and I really do mean this kid raised himself and his brothers and sisters. And then I had another one that grew up in a wonderful two-parent home in a very well-to-do neighborhood. Then I'm looking at these two things and going, okay, these two guys have absolutely nothing in common with the exception of the gift that God put in them to be phenomenal at what they do in sports. Other than that, their origins are totally the opposite. But both of these young men were are mannerable, just decent guys, that the kind of guy that you would want your daughter to marry, you know. But but the thing is, I'm thinking now, how is it that between three and seven, these guys saw totally different things and they turned out okay? And likewise, Here's two people that, and we we like we call this monozygotic studies and and psychology. We will look at some identical twins. That's what monozygotic means. They came, you know, they were womb mates, right, sharing the same placenta, and and they they look alike. They came from the same two parents, but what we like to study. Uh, is both ends of the bell curves. What happens when they're separated at birth and raised in different environments? And what happens when they're raised in the same environment and they turn out totally different? You know, I have this story that I tell when I uh, lecture, and I say there's two men in a courtroom. One is the uh, defendant, one is the judge. And one man is speaking before the court, and he says, had it not been for my adverse circumstances, how it had not been for the fact that my father and mother were both drug users and alcoholics, had it not been for my impoverished environment, I wouldn't be standing here right now. Now, isn't it funny these two guys are giving the same speech? They happen to be twins. One is the defendant, and the other one is the judge. And this is a criminal case, so you already know something's jacked up here. But how is it that circumstances that early set us up? And, it, and for some of us, it's a permanent setup and a setup that we cannot, do not, and will not walk away from. That's, your, that's the second stage of life. It becomes really crucial because then we formulate in our mindsets what is gender? There are a lot of uh, feminine men that, you know, gay men that, you know, it wasn't a choice. It's like they grew up and they saw dad mistreating their mom 24-7. They grew up. They were psychologically, physiologically, and sexually abused. And they decide, you know what, I don't want to be a, I don't want, I'm not, that's not the kind of man that I want to be. And they've become a very effeminate man, a gay man, or women. They grew up watching their mothers have men go in and out the bedroom, in and out of their lives. And that woman decides, you know what, I'm sick of this. And they, and they take on 
the animus, which is masculine, A-N-I-M-U-S, quality, and they become a lesbian because they're going, they're going to protect mom. They're, they're not going to have it, and, and they're going to be the masculine, positive role model that should be in the home. Now, I'm not saying gay or straight is good or bad. That is your business, what you do when your drawers get down on the floor. What I'm pointing out to you people is look at how life early on shapes how you expect, react, and believe, not only about yourself, but about other people. How does it affect how you deal with you? We cannot ignore this period. And, and I'm saying this in, in double, uh, with a double barrel. One barrel is I'm, I'm aiming this at you because you have a child that's looking at you right now at 7, 8, 4, 5, 16, 20, whatever the hell age they are, and they are making a template, a guidebook, a map based on what you showed them, and that's what they're going to use as their source material when they get ready to try to figure out, now, what do I do with my life? How do I react now that I'm under pressure? What do I do? And see, between three and seven years old, if daddy's cussing out mama and calling her the B word and you talking in front of your son, telling him all men ain't this and your daddy's not that, what have you set up? And, and this is the generational curse because, again, most people want to make that about something religious. Yeah, that goes all the way back to Moses and the book of Judges. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell it like it is. That's a bunch of that, – that's some truth in it now. You know, you can go through Judges and Samuel and Exodus, and you will see all of these things that say the sins of a father will be passed down to the children. But the truth is, it's not just sins of daddy. It's mama, too. And we have to ask ourselves, what have I bought into early on? What did I see that that myth is now my mindset? A lot of us cannot separate a bankrupt, disengaged mythology that was put forth in front of us, and we call that mess our truth. It is not the truth, people, but we go through that three- to seven-year-old stage, vulnerable little mind, and we accept this mess to be reality, which it is not reality, people. I'm here to tell you it is certainly not reality. I'll put it in the way that I said, and I know some of you guys go, now, Dr. D, you talking about the Lord. You just said hell a minute ago. Now you said damn. Would you please stop? No, I won't stop. Somebody needs to keep it real, and it's going to be me. I'm going to tell you here and now that if you – had someone jack you up between three and seven, you need to write it down. Put that on that piece of paper I told you to get out, okay? Write it down because we're going to fix some people today. And I promise you, we are going to fix some people today. The next thing I want you to think of is between the age of nine and 13 years old, what did you see? Now, that's that stage when we are basically neutral and androgynous in our genders. We boys play with girls. We're climbing trees. It doesn't matter whether you're a boy or a girl. You're jumping off the house. Well, okay, maybe that was just me. I was crazy as hell. My mama caught me jumping off the house one day. Well, I'll tell you all that story later, but it, it ended up in a whooping. Um, but we do these child things, but somewhere between 11 and 13 years old, some girls, if they haven't already started menstruation, they definitely have by that time. Boys, we start smelling ourselves. We can look mom in the eye, which means that we're not listening to mom anymore. We're not paying attention to our parents and our caregivers. We're trying to do our own thing some kind of way, right? That's, not, that's when we really get lost. 
when we look at the way that someone treated us, when we look at how did that first person we tune into, that first person that we have that crush on, that first person that we're wondering, why did you reject me? Why did you, when you found out I liked you, you made fun, you made fun of me in front of everybody else? Or, heaven forbid, you were bullied and you're that little boy just because you didn't want to play football and you like cooking and art. Now everybody calling you a punk and a sissy and whatever. So now you've been bullied. Or stuff was just so crazy in your house. That's right, in your house. Mommy and daddy were tripping, drinking, drugging. And they they were going through what they call a phase, but what they didn't realize, that wasn't a phase for you. That was a period of time when you were making decisions on how to learn to cope with stress. You were learning who you were and who you weren't. And because of that, now to this very day, you're a hot mess. That was the time somebody started molesting you. So you started molesting other people. Now you're a molester. That was when... You saw Mama always, you know, got that little that little flask in her purse. Uh, Daddy was out on the back porch, or you uh, happened to open the bathroom door and see that needle in his arm at the wrong time. Or stuff was so jacked up at your crib that that little boy or that little girl had the same mess brewing. So now y'all are screwing over your friend's house in the backyard. Or, you you started learning to cope every way but the right way. That could have happened to you, or you're creating that environment right now for somebody else. You're a child, mainly. Your niece, your nephew. See, that's that going into that third stage when we decide, okay, this is how I'm going to handle problems, and this is how the world sees me. So we buy into it. We we take that with us. We stop and think that okay, I am fat. Okay, I am okay. I am I am gay. Okay, I am ugly. Okay, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. All right. Well, nobody really doesn't like me. Nobody likes me. So now between this this last stage between fourteen and eighteen, we resolve how we're handling what happened between all these other periods in life, who was born, who died, who beat us up, either physically, mentally, or emotionally, what someone took from us, or daddy walked out, mama walked out. Now we're trying to make everybody else be daddy. We're trying to make everybody else be mama. You know, um, I had one person that was coming to see me, and this poor individual I mean, their life is a freaking train wreck. Every time I look up, they're broken, busted, and disgusted, just on a mental meltdown about nothing. And it's because they were derailed during a very formative season in their lives. I have people now that have sex addiction and drug addiction coming to see me. They have all the potential in the world, but they keep sabotaging themselves because, you know, the word curse is just that, damnation. You, They are cursed because of something someone else did. But let me tell you, dear one, it does not have to be that way. Oh, hang on. My producer's telling me we need to play some music. I'm going to tell you guys we're not going to do that today. This is some deep stuff, and... My goal is I want to help somebody today, so I hope you, my listening audience, doesn't mind that. Um, but when we're going to skip the music thing and just keep going down this path. But between 14 and 18 years old, we look back and we figure, okay, when I was a little kid, Daddy hit Mama. He hit me. He hit everybody else in the house. I'm not going to be like that. So now. Your son decides that he believes, Mommy, that all men ain't anything, so why does he want to be a man? 
a man. So we end up looking at um, seeing him on Housewives of Atlanta wearing a pair of panties and a blouse and got some makeup on. And we look at these people and we, we shake our heads, but you know what? We created that. Yes, we, you and I, we sat back and when someone was hurting, instead of helping, we hurt them further by making fun of them, by not loving them, by not embracing them, by not putting our arms around them and saying, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah, We didn't give people another alternative view of life. When we get to be 14 and 18, that little girl figures, well, you know what, the boys like me long as, you know, I put my mouth on them or, you know, I give them some. So now this ends up being this 25, 35, 40-year-old woman that is pulling her drawers down, still trying to make somebody like her. When, in fact, boo, you ain't doing nothing but being a hoe, but it's easy to do that because everybody calls you a hoe anyway, so why not live up to it, right? And now that you pay your own bills and you have your master's degree, no point in you feeling no shame in your game. You're doing what you do. Well, it is some shame in your game because your 12-year-old daughter is looking at that. And she's thinking, well, okay, well, mommy, you know, mommy lies, so why don't I lie? Mommy does it. And we have the nerve, you know, to sit, some of us, and on board our dysfunction with our kids, direct and personal. You know, I, I saw the craziest crap in the world. I saw a guy fire up a joint with his son. And I'm thinking, have you lost your damn mind? What are you doing? You're telling your kid, okay, this is cool. I mean, maybe it is cool. You know, if you're a Rastafarian, but not here in America, and I love you, my Rastafarian brothers and sisters. I know I have a huge following in Jamaica, so I'm not trying to insult culture or religion. But what I am trying to say is certain choices shouldn't take place when you're 13. A father should never give a 13-year-old a joint to smoke. I don't care what your religion is. I, I don't think it's okay if you're an Anglo-American and tell your kid to call a kid a nigger, and I don't think that if you're a black American, it's okay to call uh, one of your little friend, your child's friend and say, well, he's white. You know, okay, so he had to be some color. I mean, what is wrong with being white? I'm poor. I have some white blood in me and some Mexican blood in me. So if you want to offend somebody, I'm an equal opportunity guy. Just say something. You're probably going to piss me off. This is the stuff, people, that starts the generational curse that we get handed. But in the same breath, if you're sitting there yelling at the top of your lungs in front of your child, do you realize that you're passing a curse to them? Do you realize that when you are screaming and you go, but I was upset, no, your ass is irresponsible. Stop it. That is, you don't do that. You don't. Because you feeling some kind of way justify acting a fool in front of a child. You don't do that. Stop that. Just because you're male, you know, I've, I've gotten a bunch of phone calls, um, and I had a beautiful conversation with my publicist yesterday. She, she wrote a really good book, I guess, on domestic violence, and every time something happens, people want to um, interview her. And matter of fact, you know, it's Pam Panak. Go to Amazon, buy her book. It's from it's a it's a very good product. But when you look at stuff like that, where do we get this from? Well, real simple, we get it from people that were done that way themselves. So now they grow up thinking, you know, it's okay for me to do that because that's what Daddy did. That's what Mama did. Well, let me tell you something, baby. Your Daddy was crazy, and so was your Mama. And whoever was hitting on who, the other person should not have been doing that, and that's not a good place to go. So now let's get to the constructive. I've given you four stages. I said the first is before you're born. What were your parents birthed into? What were they living like? Second stage, when they got together, they blended that mess, and you were born into it. So what were you birthed into? And then the Third stage is when you're between three and seven, how do you deal with it? And then I said, and, and what did you see? What does that tell you about life and, and men and women and how they interact? And then I said that when we get to that uh, next stage, 
it's you're in adolescence and paradise gets lost. What is next? What do we do? How do we do it? And it's between 14 and 18, we try to figure all of that out, usually while failing. So that brings us up to right now. I'm going to give you some things that I want you to do that will help you to get you back on track and to get control of your life and to break these generational curses, all right? One of my favorite things, one of my favorite scriptures is, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I'm going to repeat that because I just like the way that sounds. But I really want you to, I'm going to break that down in a way that I hope will Break these curses off your life starting today. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land, right? So I'm gonna, we're going to do that, and I'm going to show you how to do that right now. First thing I want to do is tell you this is going to serve two purposes. These are the keys to getting your prayers answered, okay? I promise you, you're listening to God's stunt man for being on earth, me. <laughs> you know, if there's anybody that the Lord prepared. When I talk to you guys, here's what you all don't know. Half the time I'm talking to myself right while I'm talking to you. Second, I had uh, my dear friend tell me, she said, you need to listen to yourself because there are days I'm just going to be honest with y'all. There are days when I just be like, what the hell, I'm tired. I don't even want to go on. And God has put so much on me. You know, it's, I get this. I found, found out the other day they stole my website. Now, how is it I give you money to set something up for me and you go put registered in your name? That's like you giving me the money to go pick up a car for you. I go get the car, and then I registered in my name. Man, the world is crazy, isn't it? So, I mean, I deal with so, so much stuff that it's crazy. And, oh, as a matter of fact, before I get go further, will y'all do this, do, this, do this for Dr. D? You guys pray for that situation to resolve itself so I don't have to end up wringing these people's necks with lawyers and courtrooms, okay? Pray that that situation just resolve itself on its own so I don't end up strangling nobody. Not that I would do that, but in my mind, I have choked these people several times. Now, back to the show. The key to you, <laughs> I am so crazy, I know I need help. Uh, the key to getting your prayers answered is ask God, what is your will for my life? And when you learn to do this, do that in front of your children. One thing we fail to do is give our children a moral compass, especially in 2014. It's sad. I mean, it's really sad. I have seen videos that I'm a hard dude. I mean, you know, I wasn't always Dr. Young. I used to be him. You know what I'm saying? Him, that dude. And I have had my heart broken when I see children that are racist at seven and eight years old. That, that, that just guts me to the core. It guts me to the core when I see little boys beating up on little girls and little girls beating up on little boys. That, you know, it used to be kids could be a little mean. Now kids are just evil. So I want you to stop and, and get in the habit of asking God, show me the plans that you have for my life. Don't even ask for nothing. Seriously. Don't even ask God for anything. Just say, God, show me the will you have for my life. And do that in front of your children. Do that. If you don't have children, do that in front of your nieces and nephews because you know your sister is crazy. You know your brother ain't got good sense. So at least be the uncle that makes up for what they're missing at home. Don't be the old nasty uncle, the one that's touching on them and the old freaky ain't it that's doing everything in front of them. No. Be the person that, you know, let that child see you. 
get on your knees. And, and when you ask God to say, you know what, show me what your will is for my life. Next thing, start repenting. And I'm not getting religious with y'all. I'm telling you this stuff works, okay? It works. If it did, I promise you, if, if I saw Barney the dinosaur do what I've seen the Holy Spirit and God do, I'd have a purple and gold medallion with Barney on it, right? Uh, straight up. I'm just being honest. So this isn't a religious thing. This is just a real thing. The other deal, repent. And what I mean by repent, I don't mean tear your shirt and start banging your head against the wall like you, you, you No, don't do that. What I mean by that is just sincerely, and do this in front of kids especially, stop and repent for things. And don't just say, God, you know what I did. Uh, you know that there. No, just be like, God, you know what? I had no business hitting Big Junior upside the head with Mama's shoe. Or whatever it is you did, just tell the truth about what you did. Even if you're going to do it again, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that makes it okay, but when you get conscious that you are screwing up, then, you know, lying, stealing, backstabbing, gossiping, whatever your sin is, because we don't have any problem admitting the ones we don't do, do we, people? But the ones we do, we kind of leave that one out. And I'll be the first to raise my hand and say that I definitely just did that even while talking to you. Um, and then be specific. Be very specific about two things, what you're repenting for and what it is that you want God to do. Often our prayers don't get answered because we're praying these things for the wrong need, reason. Like, oh, Lord, please, 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 and you blowing on some dice. Bless this here, Lord, and I hope I, oh, Lord, I hit seven. I got point, you know. That is not what I'm talking about, people. But if you're going to ask God for money, at least have a legitimate need. You know what I'm saying? Say I want to feed my child. I want to pay the house note. I want to, I want to get my bills current. And, and for you unforgiving hypocrites out there, if somebody owes you money, stop tripping because you owe somebody money. Everybody on this planet Owe somebody money. There's this story that I love to read. I, I swear. Uh, there, there's this thing, man, where I was, I was reading in, in the Bible the other day. And not the other day because I tell this all the time. I used to tell it when I smoked weed and drank and with all that stuff. But the, the, the deal is, you know, Jesus is at this party late at night, and he got a hoe with him, Mary, you know. And, and these people are going, hey, ain't you supposed to be the rabbi? What are you doing in here with this hoe? And are you drunk? You know, that's where we get the wine bibber thing. He had so much wine it was in his beard, right? So he's got this thing wiped like a bib on a baby. You're a wine bibber, and you got this whole witch. It's 3 in the morning, man. And, and, and he looks at him, and he says, you know what? I can't have any fun. I can't enjoy life. He said, you know what? You have no problem when I'm healing your sick and raising your dead, right? Then he goes to this dude's house, and while he's there, Another hoe comes in. So now he's sitting in there with two hoes. I know this sounds nothing biblical, but this is true. If you don't believe me, actually blow that dust off of your Bible and read it. If you don't open it and the pages crack. But once you, and you will see, so this woman takes her hair and she, and you can imagine now, pray like you at your crib. You got uh, T.D. Jakes at the house. He got two hoes with him. And one of them, you know, is a freak. And the other one is a, with her hair washing his feet and putting some expensive perfume on his feet. So this is exactly what's going on. And he says, you know what, ma'am, let me ask you a question. They, you know, they jumped in being human beings, could have been judgmental, whatever. They said, let me ask you a question. He said, uh, if you owed, a man owed $10,000 and another man owed 1000 who'd be the most grateful for forgiveness, right? Now, I'm saying that to you for this reason. I'm not saying that to you for you to go, Jesus, hang out with hoes. He's hanging out with you. Never mind. Let me stop. But the truth is I'm saying that so that you can stop tripping and really get into the reality of life and realize that things are not what they appear to be. 
there are times in our lives that we have to go and onboard a different mindset. We have to become aware. What am I sowing not only in my own life, but what am I sowing in somebody else's life? And when I said be specific about the things that you're trying to fix, that's when I say repent. And so let's just change that word from repent, it sounds so churchy, to this is the crap I need to fix. This is what I'm doing that I know doggone well is not cool. This is the part of me that I am ashamed of. Well, how can you actually ask God to bless you and open doors for you when you won't bless other people and you won't open doors for them and you're wondering why you can't get any further, any faster? Homie, you're blocking your own blessings. You cannot get something out of life that you're not putting in. Here's the other thing. Where have you placed your faith? You know, I'm I'm a big one on this one. I was meeting with my uh, mentor, Deborah Smith. I love you, Deborah, if you're listening. You are so, so cool. Um, And, you know, she was looking at me and she said, Doc, you're hurting. She said, I see it all in your face. And and you know me, Mr. Macho, I'm like, I'm, and that's my motto. If I get in a fight with a bear, help the bear, right? I'm fine. And she said, no, you're not fine. And I, being honest with you, this mess in the last six to eight weeks has been like one thing, one big blessing and one big mess. Just, you know, it's like flip a coin, and depending on what time it is on your watch, that's what's going on with me, Right. And when I say bless major blessings, I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking to a major film producer, and I'm getting ready to be in some movies and talking about a uh, television show on a national network going into production, all of this stuff. But in the same time, somebody done stole my name? I mean, come on, really? Or somebody puts out some lie on the Internet and I'm like, what the hell? Ten years of practice, not one complaint. And then when I do get one, it's not even real. You know, so, I, yeah, that bothered me. So I know what's bothering you can be bothering you right now. And it's okay. Here's how you're going to get through it. The first thing that I want you to do is think about all the times that God blessed you before. So whatever your generational curse is or whether you are in the midst of creating a generational curse or perpetuating one, one that you saw, now you're doing it, and now your little 6, 7, 8, 10, 12, 15, 20-year-old is walking down that same path that you were drugged down, you got them walking down it, and your parents were walking down it, and they drug you down it. I think you get the point, right? Know this. Sometimes when you meditate, and what did I tell you? Meditation is the highest form of prayer, meaning you just sit there and be quiet and spend some quality time with God. You leave the situation in his hands and ask that his will be done. That will take your faith to a new level, you know. And let's just be honest. It's, it's, it's one thing having faith. Faith is not that hard to have. It really isn't. But trust is, and that's my issue. I've got all the faith in the world, but sometimes, let me just be real with you, family, I really act as if and behave as if I don't trust God because I keep trying to fix it myself. The things that sometimes we could just breathe and walk and trust and in the knowingness that, okay, God got me. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's got this. I don't care if, if you're Islamic, Buddhist, Hindu, you know, it doesn't matter. We're all created by the same God. So whatever you call him, that's your thing. But the real deal is God is God. While you're having faith, Ask God to convert your faith to trust because some of you and some of y'all, you know, doggone well, you got on a few extra pounds. You plopped your big behind down in that chair 
you're sitting in right now, or you got in that car, just when you stuck the key in, you just knew it was going to start. You just took for granted that, you know what, I'm going to make it to where I'm going without even thinking. You're driving, you're texting, you're sexting, you're doing all of this stuff, and you got more faith and that nasty picture of you being transmitted through your cell phone to another fellow freak, then you have faith in the fact that you're doing what God created you to do, and he's going to do what he said. But I'm here to tell you, and you can holler at your boy because I'm going to be real with it. It's hard as heck for me to really get myself where I need to be on a whole lot of this. But maybe... Just maybe you and I can do this together, right? If you're listening to this show right now, that is confirmation that it's over. You know, I I wrote a post today on Facebook, and for those of you that feel so cursed, like it's just never, ever going to get any better, I'm going to share this. I'm going to read it to you, okay? This is, um, it's called A Message from God to You. When God had me write this thing this morning, uh, let me just tell you the truth about where it was coming from. You know how you get sick of folk, (laughs) you know, and you really haven't done anything wrong. You made your mistakes. Now, I didn't say I'm perfect. Hell, I'm just like you. I make mistakes. But you you haven't done anything just egregious, and you're dealing with it, and it's probably bothering your conscience more than it's bothering anybody else, but you have this one maybe two, maybe four, that Satan is using just to be in your ear over whatever. This is message was for you today. And if you're listening, you can find this on the com website. That's D-R-D-I-V-A-N-Y-O-U-N-G.com site today or on Facebook. But it says, a message from God to you. It's over. Never again will you ever go through what you've been going through. Not again, not ever. Your suffering is over. Your tab is paid. All of the two-faced, the backstabbing, fair-weather friends, the leeches, the users are behind you now. Embrace your future. God knows you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. He knows you can't take it anymore. Dear one, the good news is you don't and won't have to ever feel this way again, just like Job. You've had your fair share of life's ups and downs, and just like Job, people judged you, criticized you, and some even wondered what you did to be in the circumstances you're in. Don't concern yourself with other people think. Your preparation course was between you and God, and truth is, All great leaders went through what God took you through. All of this, everything, and I'm I'm being real with this one, everything that has been a challenge for you, God was using that to get you closer to him. Just like your predecessors weren't, you know, you aren't perfect. Who is? Inasmuch, most of what you endured had little, if anything, to do with you. And, yeah, I'm going to throw this in. A lot of your mistakes God led you to make just because he was going to teach you something from them. Now, life happens. Bad things happen to good people. The reason why God allowed you to get scorched by the flames of life was to immunize you. He was vaccinating you from the conceitedness while revealing the true nature of people to you. Now, stop and think. How can you tell who's really for you unless things are going against you? You know, how can you tell? How can you tell what you're made out of and what the essence of your character is? Now, here's here's the promise, and this is real. You write this down. Everybody that can hear this, and yes, I'm talking, and God is showing me, somebody, and you will know this is you, you've been waking up every night between 3 and 4 in the morning, almost like clockwork, either tossing and turning, can't sleep, or worried. Well, God's telling me to tell you right now, before the next few weeks pass, the exact same people, the people who are judging you, them same folk who are talking about you like a dog right now behind your back, those wolves in sheep's clothing who are anticipating your failure and your demise, listen to me, dear one, those same hypocrites 
will be seeking your help and begging your forgiveness and probably trying to borrow a little change from you too. See, their arrogance and their disdain and their presumptuous behavior and that narcissism is worse than any disease you could catch, and that includes everything from the cooties to HIV. These things you've been through, your trial served as a tool to inoculate you from that which has taken hold of those folk. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to count it all joy. I want you to know that the best in your life is yet to come. Your latter days will be greater and more in number than your former. So starting right now, realize this. God is doing a new work in your life. Doors are opening for you that no man can close. The Holy Spirit and angels giving chase over you right now, yes, I'm talking to you, are placing new relationships, real friendships, unlimited and wonderful opportunities directly in your path, and never again will you be up one minute and down the next. Now, some of that, you know, I added in, but if you get where you're lost in the mix this week, go to my website and just read that. Hit the like button. Share it with a friend. Now, here's the last part of what I want to tell you today. It ain't over. It's just begun. Stop allowing people to beat you up. And the main person I'm talking about is you. Because let's face it, if you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself sometimes, they wouldn't fool with you. You, you. you call somebody else stupid and dumb and all that like you call yourself. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. No, you're not. You just made a mistake. And whoever you owe money to, they look greedy butts to be all right. Just try to pay them back fast as you can. Because God is teaching you, next time you need your need supply, don't turn to people, child. Do not do that. I'm here to tell you, amen, lights. Leave folk alone. And the people that really love you, they will help you and not even ask for it back. The people that really care for you, you won't have to borrow from because they'll make a phone call. See, sometimes favor is worth more than money. I would rather have favor than money. Okay, I just lied. I'd rather have both. But, you know, the truth of it is, both are necessary and so, so wonderful. Now, let's go here with this. If you want to get some of this diagnostic stuff done, and no, I'm not doing a commercial. I'm trying to help you. It's going to cost you 50 bucks to take that MBTI form Q test and 215 to take all those other tests and have that assessment. But at least if you get that done, we can start nailing down what you're doing wrong and get you back on the path to doing the things the right way. And you, and you can stop worrying about how someone else is living and start focusing on how you're living. Honestly, it is far more important for you to concern yourself with how things are than how things appear anyway. Wouldn't you agree with that? Now, lastly, if you just tuned in, I want you to go and listen to this show from the beginning. The archive will be up in about maybe five minutes after we leave the air. The other thing I want you to do is let's pray for each other. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to do that now. If you don't mind, I'm just going to say a prayer. So pull the call over. You know, you don't have to run around the church when I pray or uh, pour no water on your head or buy a bottle of oil or nothing. This is just real simple. Just close your eyes and believe it. Father in heaven, bless all of us. Guide and direct our paths. We repent of our sins. You said there'd be no gifts without repentance. Father, I ask that you open up the door that no man can close and that you help us to see ourselves and others the way that you see us and see them. Let us reflect the love and the life that you put in us, that you've given us. Because to be honest, all of this are your glory and not ours. Father, what's been loosed on earth, loose that in heaven, and what's been loosed in heaven, loose on earth, in Jesus' name. All right, that pretty much wraps us up. Go to the Facebook page, please, and hit the like button. 
share the post, share the commentary. Don't forget to pay about this website thing because I don't want to end up strangling nobody and suing people. And uh, let's pray for even your enemies as well as your friends and more than anything else. Pray for you because I'm praying for you. So I ask that you love on me and pray for me too. I love you madly. Have an awesome weekend. Talk to you Sunday night. Bye now.